Hey listeners, it's the Birdman here. I just wanted to let all 13 of you know that today's episode will be an interview with fellow Ryerson Sport Media student, Josh Kim. And episode 21 of Pressbox Chatter will be out tomorrow. Josh Kim is an incredibly talented writer, the host of the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, which focuses on mental health and sports, and has been waiting all 19 years of his life for his Toronto Maple Leafs to do at least something in the playoffs. Maybe next year, Josh, but probably not. Please enjoy. Oh, it's press box chatter in 10 minutes or less. Oh, it's press box chatter with Rhino and the Birdman. Welcome to another... uh, There, let's try that again. Welcome to another episode of Press Box Chatter. We're doing another interview today. This is our third so far. Today's guest is our friend, Josh Kim. Uh, well, at the young age of just 19, Josh has already interviewed a ton of people on his own podcast, like James Duffy, Craig Button, and Tara Sloan, uh, as well as many other prominent figures in the sport media industry for his sport podcast, Get Your Head in the Game, which focuses on the mental side of sport, the mental health side of sports. Uh, Josh is a sport media student at Ryerson. He's a writer for the Hockey Writers, the Puck Authority, and 49 Sports. He's also a sports photographer, a diehard Leafs fan, and he loves grilled cheese. Josh, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you guys for having me. This is one of my favorite podcasts now, so this is this is a dream come true for me. Glad to have you on, man. I, I definitely I wanted to interview somebody with a lot of hockey knowledge. Like we've had PJ Stock, we've had Dan Robertson. I kind of wanted to get somebody who's also... You know, pick the brain of somebody who's closer to us in age, um, who has less of a celebrity status. And so I said, hey, what about our boy Josh Kim? I think the awesome thing about Josh is that he's also done a lot for himself already at just 19 and just his first year in sport media. He's, um, I know he's a big photographer. He has uh, awesome pictures. I've checked out his personal page. Um, maybe you can drop that after, Josh, um, your personal website. Just wondering, like, how did you get started in sport media? Because, or not in sport media, in sport photography? Because it seems like you've been doing that for quite a while now. Even in the video here, you've got a bunch of uh, a bunch of really nice pictures. It looks like behind you. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's gonna sound cliche. Like the answer is really cliche, but I think uh, it's it's pretty much the epitome of being at the right place at the right time. I mean, back when I was entering high school, this is four years ago now. Feels like forever ago. You know, the my high school didn't really have any social media presence or any any yearbook qualified yearbook people that that really put their their heart and soul into into creating content for them. And and for me, just wanting to be different than everybody else, I still was, you know, just an inexperienced kid just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, this kind of landed right in my lap because one of my friends just said, maybe you should take up photography and maybe you should try that stuff. I was kind of in it, but I was only shooting photos on my phone which believe me looked very embarrassing compared to where I am now. It was it was absolutely brutal. But, you know, the opportunity was there. We didn't like I said we didn't have anybody responsible for that kind of thing. And, you know, Black Friday came along back in grade 9 and and my friend and I I remember this like it was yesterday because it's kind of like the origin story almost. But we were just sitting in AP Science and and back then I was super into science and math and we were just sitting there and he pulls up his phone and says here you should get this camera package it was like i still have it and it's sitting right next to me now it's it's uh, it was the canon rebel t6i it came with a nice kit came with a nice bag came with a couple extra batteries and a charger and i'm like hey this is great i get all the stuff for like one set price cuz black friday is the best 
and and believe it or not but like the same day because that was black friday my my parents went out with me and we got it and um i didn't get to open it till christmas because they're like this is crazy expensive you're not touching this till christmas because that's just going to be your christmas gift from now on and i'm like okay cool so then the three months go by i keep shooting photos on my phone and then of course when i get the camera i test it out i, I do a bunch of stuff and the new year came along and it was kind of in the spring summer and one of my other friends recommended me to the gym teacher my the gym teacher at the time we were we built a really good relationship because he was my gym teacher from from in grade nine and he's like you know what you should check this guy out he could definitely do a lot of good stuff for athletics and and as they say in the biz i think the rest is history there and after that after i got that recommendation without that recommendation i wouldn't really done anything because i didn't even talk to the gym teacher about having an opportunity like that but after that the rest the rest was kind of self-explanatory i mean i spent the next four years just shooting almost every single high school sport kind of developing myself as an artist and as a content creator it was a really low pressure environment i think i liked that the most about high school compared to now at least is because when i was just starting out obviously the nerves are there obviously the inexperience is there so you just want to have some time to yourself to really grow as a content creator on your own and really make your own mistakes, see what works, see what doesn't. And for me over the four years in high school, because I was the, the only kid doing it, I wasn't only able to grow by myself and, and really improve at my own pace. I was able to control who I wanted, what I wanted to shoot and when. And the, the silver lining out of all that was, of course, I inspired a couple other kids to join. And now they're quote unquote, carrying on my legacy. They said that, not me. I'm not I'm not that arrogant. They they said that when I left, but uh, it's it, it was a great experience. And that really propelled me to where I am today. So when I was in grade 12, grade 11, grade 12, I realized that, you know, I might after doing high school stuff for three straight years, I'm like, you know, maybe I should just branch out and try something new. And it all started with with cold emails. Really, I I, I uh, yeah, I remember emailing the OHL team that we had in Mississauga that's really close to my my neighborhood. I live in Etobicoke, so it's a suburb of Toronto. Mississauga is right next to us, so it was a quick commute. I remember um, emailing the the organ Brampton Beast organization that is in Brampton, so a little further west than me. And now, unfortunately, they folded recently, but now uh, Quebec has their own ECHL team, so that's the uh, the AA affiliate of the NHL. So just cold emails and looking for for new opportunities, I think, really helped get me to where I am today. But it all started really in that high school period where I was just honestly just a kid trying to find something cool to do and, and trying to make a name for myself from the early going because I figured if I made a name for myself then I would just be known for that thing over the course of high school and I really wouldn't have to worry about anything else at the time I definitely didn't think it would turn into something as, as great as it has but that is uh that's really the beauty of it and how did you end up like doing photography for Ryerson was that another email like or was that more you showed up and then started taking pics yeah, that also has a really intriguing story. So like I said, I was looking for a bunch of new opportunities back when I was in high school. And one of those opportunities happened to be the PWHPA Dream Gap Tour, which is part of women's hockey. It's not the NWHL. It's the other organization called the Professional Women's Hockey Association, Players Association. And they were hosting a weekend event in Toronto. And I saw the commercial on TV and I'm like, hey, that'd be really cool if I could go there. And yeah, so it in short, it did start with another email because I had to email that organization too. But basically you know, got credentialed, went to a bunch of the games scattered across Toronto. Uh, thanks to my mom for driving me everywhere, because at that time I didn't even have my license. So I was really just a kid in, in a place where it seemed like I didn't belong. So we were just covering all these games. And and over the course of that weekend, I met a handful of Ryerson students. So Joe Master Mateo, he's in the upper years in photography and, and, and uh, 
and media production. He uh, was one of my first connections because I met him at the first game and we we started talking and I said I met I saw his page on Instagram and and it was really nice to finally meet someone like that in person. The next person I met was Curtis Martin. He's a journalism student in second year, I believe, or third year. I can't really remember. But pretty much what he said was that we he was also there taking photos, but he also realized that there was an opportunity there. So it just so happened that later that month, I believe, the Ryerson women's women's hockey team was playing their semifinals against UFT at the Madame Athletic Center. And he asked me, well, he pretty much asked me to do him a favor. He he asked me to to go cover the event as just a, as just a high school student on behalf of their new of the, of the newspaper, the Eye Opener, and I was shocked. Number one, because I'd never been in an environment like that, but also I soon realized that that was a great opportunity because it would just let me go there and be get familiar with the facility. One and number two, meet other Ryerson students, and that ended up that is what ended up happening where I went and and met a bunch of Ryerson students who have recently graduated, but also in the upper years. So as uh, that that really was a quite the experience for me, because I think I got a, about a thousand questions asking what I was asking people asking me what I was doing there, because obviously a high school student that is like not even close to finishing grade 12 is is now at a university. And, and yeah, it was it was a great night. Um, I wish I stayed a little longer. I, I kind of was itching a little to get out there. I remember that I, I remember having the opportunity to do media availability with some of the players down there. And I kind of just passed on that because I was dead. And, and I, it was really a surreal experience. But overall, the night was amazing. And, and it was definitely one of those experiences that was didn't necessarily lead me to Ryerson, but the connections there have still been long lasting to this day. Is that how you ended up finding out about the sport media program? Did you go there and you met students that were in the program or met students around the program? Or had you already applied to the program at that time? It helped that I, I already I had already applied because I applied in the, the the in the September portion of grade twelve, so before the new year of grade twelve, and and I already had already applied. But that that event just cemented my 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 desire and my drive to be there, and it was just it was just a surreal experience. As I said, the the sport media application. There's actually a, a really funny tie-in now. It's funny now, but it was really stressful back then. But uh, I remember I was shooting that event and I think there were people who I was getting notifications on my phone and people were were getting accepted into the program already. Like I had known, I had found out that like a handful of people got their acceptance literally that same night. And somehow that information leaked back to me some, somehow, some way. And really that kind of put a damper on the night for me because as someone who had applied to the program, I had no idea that people would be getting acceptances that early. And so to find out while I'm there, while I'm actually doing something and getting out there was was a little disappointing because I definitely I actually remember running back up to the media booth and asking Joe if I could borrow his laptop so I could check my application status. And he let me. And when I saw that there wasn't uh, an acceptance offer or an offer there, I'm like, oh, crap, this is this is this is bad now. This is this means I'm I'm definitely on the wait list or something. So it was it was a bit hard to to refocus on the event itself while all that was transpiring. And I think this is the first time I've ever told that story to someone else other than I really kept it to myself. This is the first time I'm really, really telling it. But uh, that was that kind of sucked. That that definitely kind of sucked. But uh, it just really cemented my my desire to be in the program, to be in an environment like that at the position I was in at uh, in grade 12 was just amazing. So what was uh, what was the sigh of relief like when you found out that you act when you eventually did find out? It uh, it came in two parts. And um, the first part is after shortly after the event, I quickly realized that because I took a co-op in 
in grade 12 that Ryerson didn't have all my grade 12 marks. So they didn't even, they couldn't even offer me an, uh, an offer yet until they got my marks. So that actually settled my mind after that. I did some research and, and kind of just settled my nerves. The second part of relief is obviously finding out. So I think it was, it was around this time last year. I think it was actually this month. Um, I was kind of just lying in bed. I, I think I had just woken up because it was, it was, it was online school. And I'm like, you know, who cares about this stuff anymore? And obviously you see the notification on your phone and, and uh, I raced to the computer and I'm like, oh crap, this is, this is really the make or break moment. And, and just, uh, just seeing having just the relief that that fell over me after that was just it's it's indescribable it was it was one of the most relieving experiences ever because i knew i deserved to be there so as long as i you know ended up getting to the end of the road um it would have been a great day and a great summer in general for me so to see that happen and to see you know see that those led that letter of 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 opportunity with ryerson was was one of the best moments of my career for sure because just because i knew I worked so hard to get to where I was and and I definitely deserve to be there. So seeing that all pay off was big a big relief to to put it lightly. Well, you definitely belong well, in the program, that's for sure. <laughs> Having been in some of your classes and um even seeing the work you do whether it be with uh photography, writing, Twitter, even now your podcast, I can say for sure you definitely deserve to be in the program. Uh one of the better students in it actually. Thank Which you, brings me like to your podcast. It's a really unique, interesting podcast. Very different. It's not about you know sport analysis or anything like that. I'm wondering what mo maybe first off, can you explain to like the new listeners what exactly your podcast is quickly? But what motivated you to start that specific podcast, and how have you been able to acquire such well-renowned guests? It's definitely that's definitely a great question, and and something that I I receive more and more as the days go on so first things first the podcast it's called get your head in the game and it can be found you know on spotify and apple apple Podcasts and google podcast it's me as the host bringing on athletes coaches media personnel sports professionals in general we really just talk about the correlations between mental health and sports so that involves me asking them about their personal stories that also involves me at talking about mental health and sport and asking them about mental health and sport from a more general standpoint so Really, each episode is different and each episode is really tailored to the guests. So if you ever wanted to know more about the guests and about kind of the flip side of the of the not only the sport media industry, but the sports industry uh, in general, I uh, implore you to take a listen. So what motivated me to start that podcast was, you know, I it all comes down to differentiating yourself. Once again, I, I knew that there were a lot of podcasts out there that focused on news analysis and opinions, and I I told myself from an early, early age or an early, early point in the development process of that idea was that I did not want another podcast, another talk show to be like that, because there's unfortunately, there is just so many out there. And the market for podcasts like that has just become so saturated. So what do you do when a market is saturated? You come up with a brand new idea like you guys are doing right now with comedy that is really never before seen. And that's why people listen to it. That's what draws people in. And for me, I, I'm not I think I find myself funny, but I didn't really see the comedy route being an option for me. So I kind of took a took a moment to think to myself and I really thought about what it has impacted me in my life. And mental health was at the front of that line. And I think a common misconception is I think a lot of people think that I've been through a lot of mental health struggles in my life. I'm going to quash those rumors now. I have never suffered from any mental health illness. And I think it's important from an honest and open standpoint that I get that out there and make sure people understand that the host has never experienced something like that. But I will tell you that 
I have friends and I think anyone can relate to this, but I have friends and, and people in my life that have come to me when they were struggling. So from that aspect of things, I have experienced, but from a personal standpoint, not quite. So I think that's important to acknowledge. And that is really the motivating factor behind what, why I started this podcast. I want to help people. I want to help people understand, and I want to help people get better, really get healthier and just bring more awareness to the subject from a general standpoint as well. So the public can even benefit from listening to this. So it started with a different idea and I want it to be different, but it also came from a personal inspiration standpoint where I'm like, this is important. This isn't talked about enough. This needs to change and it needs to change now. And that's where the podcast was born. Now on a lighter side of things, getting guests is a wild experience. Um, it's something I've never had to go through before. It's, it's really never something that I even imagined myself doing because I always saw myself as a as a photographer as as a content creator in that in that regard. But it's it's quite the process. And I think uh, a lot of it has to do with past connections. And there's a lot of, you know, connections there where it it they connect in, in all these crazy ways. So I'll give you an example. The first two, um, when I was working for the Steelheads back in the OHL back in grade 12, um, Akil Thomas, who if you guys don't know, I mean, your audience is all hockey fans. So you guys should know by now who Akil Thomas is. But yeah. he was a second round pick by the Kings a couple of years back. And now he's in the OHL and the AHL rather. Um, I took photos of him when he was playing with Peterborough and with his junior team before he got drafted. I, I posted them on social. He re replied, said he reposted them even, which, again, was one of the greatest moments of my life because I, I had just seen him be a, a world junior hero for Canada back in 2020. And to see him repost my stuff was amazing. But, you know, it was kind of just a quick DM to him. And that really kickstarted the whole thing. He was training in Germany at the time. And I DM'd him and I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed the photos because I wanted him to remember that. I, I'm glad you enjoyed the photos from last year. Do you mind helping me out and, and coming on my the podcast for the first episode? And he was he was super open to it. It took a little longer than I expected because of his scheduling and stuff and because of the time difference. But man, he was he was one of the best interviews interviews I've ever had because he was so down to earth. And I think a lot of people need to understand that these athletes are, are just the same, but it all starts with connections. Joey Decord was the same because he was, he, he was another feel good story because he was playing with Ottawa or the ECHL uh, organization, the Brampton beast when I was there. So I had uh, an opportunity to meet him. And so he already knew who I was before I requested him to come on the podcast as well. So he agreed as well. And it was great to see him succeed at the NHL level and then all the other ones have pretty much been cold emails. Um, Craig Button, as you mentioned in the intro, he uh, he actually DM'd me because I, I wrote an article that was similar to his segment on TSN where he projected the 2022 Olympic rosters for Canada. So I'm like, that's a cool idea. I wrote about that. I tagged him on Twitter and he DM'd me. And, and one thing led to another and we still communicate uh, often regularly over social. So it's nice to, to see that type of connections happening. But then again, a lot of it comes down to research and hard work. A lot of it comes down to scouting the right guests, wanting to know more. If your guest has an important story to tell, that is what you should focus on. And that is a, really the main inspiration behind a lot of my guests. So James Duffy, uh, Matthew Shinetti, both of them have worked on TSN Originals that really hit home for me because I watched them a lot. So talking to them about that process and talking to them about something more than their career, something behind the scenes like is something completely unique and completely different and completely rewarding for me. And I, I really appreciate all the great conversations I've had with with people. So it's a mix of connections and pretty much cold emails and a lot of research for sure. Where do you see your podcast growing like in the future? Is it going to be the similar style? What do you envision with it? It works. 
the the style I have now, the interview style I have now, I think really works. Obviously, I'm going to step things up where we, we want to promote it on YouTube. We want to promote it on TikTok. We want to get this message to as many platforms as possible. So I guess that is the plan in, in the future. But for me, where I stand at, at this given time, I, I like where it's at. And honestly, if I can keep doing the, the things I'm doing right now with this show, five years down the road, I will be more than happy with that. And I, and there's a really simple explanation behind that. I think, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people, when they start a podcast, they are really focused on the numbers. They're really focused on whether they can monetize it. They're really focused on, on what they're, what they're putting out there. And obviously I'm really focused on that as well. But for me, the conversations and the guests I have are top of the list, no matter what. And, and I, I honestly decided that this was a decision I made a while back. Actually, I, I really don't see the point in monetizing this or or trying to to grow it into something it's not i really think that if you want to listen to a, a, a sincere and heartfelt conversation with with people you know this is the podcast for you this is not this is not something where i'm trying to attract viewers i i'm gonna promote it obviously because i want people to listen to it but for me it's not about the numbers and it's not about the money for me it's about the conversations i'm able to have with these people that i bring on the show that being said like I said, if if this is if this continues a consistent uh, bi weekly episode up until five years from now, that'd be fantastic. I would be over the moon with that because this is something that I literally just started less than six months ago. And to see where it's gone and see the people I've been able to chat with one on one for about half an hour uh, every week has been has been outstanding. So I'm I'm really grateful for that. I'm really appreciative for that aspect of things. And that's mainly why. I think the conversations rise above all else when it comes to this particular podcast. And I know that's probably, that might be an unpopular opinion business wise. And I think, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you're putting a lot of hard work in and you know, you're not going to get rewarded financially, but it, to me, the rewards are in the conversations. And I want to stress that a lot. And I want to stress the importance of having heartfelt conversations about important subjects like mental health. And that alone is 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 definitely priority one for me and 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 Aaron McPherson who I have to give a massive shout out to because he's been killing it on on the social media aspect of things and he's been designing pretty much everything since season two kicked off and um that is we discussed that actually and, and we he he shares the same values that I do and it's really nice to have just two people working really hard on a project that they know is meaningful to the people who listen to it it really is meaningful and the conversations you have are are very important to people who who listen to these figures to these athletes on a weekly daily basis just going back to like when you started it what type of work did it take for you to get it off the ground and what type of workload has it been for you just getting it started getting it going and now continuing it was a lot and it, it still is a lot i think uh a lot of that is lost because I think people in general see podcasts as such a simple production. But when it's just a two man team, like you guys know, because you guys are also a two man team, I was solo when this when this all started. So I was reaching out to guests, conducting the interviews, editing the episodes, managing socials, promoting it across all platforms. That is a lot for one person. And and for me, not being great in some categories, it, it definitely took a toll because I'm like, this could be something so much greater than it is if a couple of these things were changed. It took a lot of work. Um, like I said, like anything you can imagine preparing for a show, but from a single person standpoint, I mean, researching the guests, coming up with the questions, doing research about the guest background to influence those questions, editing the episodes and the time that 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 takes, as you guys are probably already familiar, designing the stuff, coming out with listening to the episodes back multiple times to listen to the key points, designing, 
the graphics that go up on social, managing the social accounts, posting regularly. That all takes a toll, and that is all a lot for one person to handle. I mean, it was it was one of those things where I think I I really wanted to get credit for for the hard work I was putting in, but I, I also accepted at the same time that that people are are probably not going to realize the effort that this takes. And I was fine with that because I, I really enjoyed the conversations. Like I said, I, it really sometimes you can't help but think, why are people not liking this? Why are people not resharing this? Why are people not listening to this? But I think what's really important for any podcast out there is that you're doing this for you, you especially if it's something new, you're really doing it for you. And, and if you can just keep that constant mindset of being like, I'm doing this for me, the conversations are the most important. I'm going to always believe that, obviously. But as long as you can keep that mindset or something along those lines, you should be fine. And you really shouldn't be able to think about all the external circumstances, because really, whether two people listen to it or 30 people listen to it or a thousand people listen to it, the conversation is all that matters. And that's that's really what's going to be the defining factor here. So it was a lot at the beginning. It still is a lot because I'm still managing all the socials, editing, producing each episode and, and reaching out to guests. But it's it's come become to this point where I, I love it. It's it's enjoyable. It was enjoyable at the start, but it's even more enjoyable now knowing the capital that we've been able to build up and, and the experiences that we've been able to both share, me and Aaron, uh, for that matter. And it's it's been it's been one of those journeys where there's a lot of hard work put in on a daily basis. There's a lot of times where you're when you're not even focused on the podcast, you're still thinking about it in the back of your mind because you still are like, you know, it'd be cool if this person came on, or it'd be cool if we we had the chance to talk to this person. But it it's one of those things where it's just super rewarding and and that's really the bottom line and as long as it 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 still is fulfilling in that sense for me and both me and aaron i will be just entirely pleased with the project and as it keeps going how do you find a balance because sam and i like all the things you just mentioned like we we work a lot on it we put a lot of hours into it um you know it's oftentimes in the back of our mind in terms of like we want to do something we want to have someone on we want to do this do that how do you find your balance what's the key for you you're a full-time oh, student as well right yeah yeah it's i was yeah yeah i started this back when when school wasn't over yet so i was still in the midst of all those assignments and everything like that um you know, I never really thought about it from a technical standpoint. I kind of always just went with the flow and did when I when I felt like I was being overwhelmed, I just stepped away for a bit and, and all that stuff. And and that still applies here. So I, I don't know if I can I can define it in in a magic formula because obviously it's it's different for for everybody. And and balance is a concept that I've become so familiar with because so many of the guests bring it up when I talk to them. So really it's about knowing yourself and it's about knowing how much you can handle and about knowing when you need to take a break. And I think as normal as that sounds, and as I think a lot of people have said some sort of variation of that over the past year, it really is important. And it can, and you have to, people have to realize that work can be really enjoyable. I love my job. I love everything, all the cool products that I'm able to put together. But at some point, you, you really have to find that difference between, am I doing this for me and my enjoyment, or am I doing this for my audience and and a lot of the time i focus on doing it for me because if if i'm dead for example if i'm tired if i'm exhausted if i'm annoyed that something happened you're not going to put in your best work and that's you're not doing yourself any favors when you do that so and when the times where i'm just not feeling it i think accepting the fact that you're not feeling it one number two and accepting the fact that doing nothing is fine there have been so many days throughout this summer the summer's not even a month old or it's about a month old and there have been so many days where i'm just 
managing my fantasy baseball team and just streaming all the games online. There, there's been, there have been so many days like that. Um, but that's okay. And, and really accepting that, that, that is okay. And, and knowing yourself and knowing that you are going to get back on the grind whenever you you're ready and whatever you get that mental reset is, is so important. And, and I think the first step towards accepting that you need to take a break is knowing when you need to take a break and, and, and just being okay with not doing work because it's hard. It's hard. You really, when you want to grow your podcast and when you want to pour every ounce of your soul into your work and into all the cool projects that you're doing, it can be a lot. You can get lost mentally and be like, you know, I have to do this. Who cares about sleep? Who cares about taking a break? I have to do this. I have to get this done. I want to get this done. There's a fine line between wanting to get something done and, and, and just needing to. So when that decision comes, it's, it comes with time as most things do. It's really on you to to just be self-aware and to just know when you need to take a break. So in, when it comes to balance for me, that, that's been incre- an increasingly hard battle. Over over the school year, I, I felt like I was a little more focused because I, I there were set deadlines for stuff. Now it's a lot of freedom. It's a lot of creative expression when you get to do things. And when you, when it's really whenever you get you want to get things done, you get things done. And I think when you don't have the pressure of any deadlines or anything like that, it can get even harder to manage when you want to work and when you don't. But it's all about the battle. It's all about the process. And and that's been and over time, as, as each day passes, you just learn more about yourself and you learn what works. And and just being open to the idea of accepting yourself and knowing when to take a break is is step one towards balance. That's absolutely right. Um, I, I like what you said about managing your fantasy baseball team and streaming all the games. Like sometimes you you really just need those days where it's just it's a treat yourself kind of day. Just you come back refreshed. I know you recently took a break from Twitter. It's it's so important. And it's crucial to take those days to take care of yourself because you're just going to burn out if not. Exactly. Right. And just for the record, you don't always have to make it public. I know I made the, the public thing about Twitter, but you don't always have to make it public. Sometimes just just closing your phone, turning off your phone, closing your laptop, doing anything like that and just doing something else, man. It's 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 really underrated now. I think um, a lot of people are so focused on on getting ahead and staying ahead. But sometimes you just need those days and not sometimes weeks to yourself. It's it's really a part of life. And I think a lot of people, especially now when you don't really have anything to do besides work, you need to find something else to do. And and that's really, really the main goal here. And and just trying new things and, and doing things that you wouldn't normally do is is just amazing. It it works wonders for you mentally for sure. All right. Well, fellas, this has been a treat. Josh, we really, really appreciate you taking time out of your what i would assume is probably a very busy day because just with everything you said today you uh you sound incredibly incredibly busy but you're doing well man everything i see you all over twitter i see you all over instagram you are active you're doing you're doing something right so thank you very much for letting us pick your brain a little bit for letting us hear your story you've done a lot of um great things even you know hopefully you realize it um and you're very down to earth and and very well spoken too so um really really nice to talk to you you don't meet a lot of kids your age that are necessarily at that maturity level yet so i've never had someone or two people pump my tires consecutively so quickly and i, I don't even know what to say thank you thank you guys for uh, it's not for having me not pumping tires it's just uh you know this is just yeah saying it how it is it's yeah. it's still surreal sometimes to experience to to go through that and to, to sort of relive all those memories but but I, I always love talking about it i like love talking about hockey all sports really 
Um, you guys are doing great work as well. It's it's nice to to feel appreciated, especially in an industry that's so cutthroat and so competitive. But you guys are doing great work as well. And and this is one of my favorite shows for a reason. So I, I appreciate you guys having me. Oh, it's press box chatter in ten minutes or less.